Arizona Boomer Radio brings you Straight Down the Middle, Arizona's only Internet golf show. Straight Down the Middle is produced by the Boomer and the Baby Incorporated in partnership with GolfMix.com. GolfMix is your place to read course reviews written by recreational golfers just like you. Learn about the course you're going to play. Check out Golf Mix before your next round. Now it's time to hit it straight down the middle. Four! Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit. That's when McCaddy lost sight of it. That little white pellet has never been found to this day. But it went straight down the middle, like they say. Whack down the fairway. It went smack down the fairway. Then it started to slice just a smidge off line. It hit it with two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. It went straight down the middle, flying away. And good morning. This is Straight Down the Middle, the only Internet golf show in Arizona that we know about anyhow. And it is Thursday, November 29th, 2012. And we want to welcome everybody that's listening to Straight Down the Middle today. With me is Mr. Kirk Getzinger. He's uh, on the line. He is with golfmix.com. We'll be getting to our guest, uh, Penny Poles, in just a few minutes, and also waiting for John Bloom to call in. He was uh, off running some business and personal errands this morning, and he will be calling in. He's already told us he'll call in in a few minutes. Kirk, welcome to the, back to the show. How is everything with you? How was your Thanksgiving? Have you what, played what? any golf lately? Uh, Pete, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Hope, hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well. I'm still trying to work off the five or ten pounds I think that I, I put on over this past weekend, and so that uh, that has uh, kept me off the golf course for a couple of days. But uh, uh, looking forward to get, getting back out in the next next few days or so. We've had some family things to take care of, which has kept me off the golf course for a couple of days. But now's the time to go out and enjoy it. That's for sure. How was how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was very nice. Very nice. Spent it with. Uh, family over at uh, at my daughter's house in uh, in Chandler and we had a, a very nice time always eating too much got to deep fry the turkey again this year came out really good so hey all's all's well with the world well that's that's good that's good to hear as always so what's going on with uh with golf mix update me a little bit on uh, on on what's your what's the status on golf mix anything new since the last time we've uh, been on the air well, a couple things I'd just like to remind people of, uh, Pete, is uh, the end of the year is coming around, and when the end of the year comes around, that means we bring out our best of 2012 golf mix rankings. So we we would encourage everyone as they're playing golf between now and the end of the year to write a review about their favorite course or maybe a new course that they've played. Post it up on golfmix.com and make sure that way that your course is included in our uh, best of 2012 rankings, we look for uh, every we look for everyone's reviews. Tell us what you like about a course. Tell us what you didn't like about a course. Uh, the idea is to get the information out there. Uh, we, as Pete, a couple weeks back, we had uh, Craig Johnson on the show from the Harmon Kilbrew Invitational, which is going on this weekend. Golf Mix will be out there at the Invitational. Uh, in fact, I saw a thing uh, in the paper this morning where Craig still has some shots available, so we would encourage anyone who might be thinking about playing in a fun event, take a look at that. Uh, we will be we'll be out there mingling with the golfers this weekend. Well, that's uh, I may end up having to stick my head in out there just to see what the heck's to see what the heck's going on with you guys and, and see what you're doing. And I, I know what you were doing over there at the hole in one because you and I covered that, and that was a that was a lot of fun to do that as well. Uh, well, we've got a guest with us today, and I know that uh, we're also still waiting for John Bloom to 
to check back check back in with us. But I want to introduce a guest. Uh, she's an LPGA champion. She's been playing on the LPGA tour. Uh, she played on the LPGA tour for quite some time. Her name is Penny Pulls, and Penny is uh, involved in the mental side of. Uh, of competition, whether it's athletic competition, competition in business, whatever. Uh, she says, why train mental athletics? And that's on her website. And we uh, welcome Penny Pauls to Straight Down the Middle. How are you this morning, Penny? Good morning, Pete. Thanks so much for having me on today. It's, it's just an absolute pleasure to be here. And good morning to you, Kirk. And I am just great. I have had the best Thanksgiving. I was thinking of you guys as you were talking about it for the first time in my life. We cooked everything perfectly. It may never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite that is quite a milestone to aspire Thanks. to in the future. <laughs> oh, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, for those of, of uh, probably some people out there in, in in golf land don't know of your exploits on the LPGA tour, why don't you give us a brief bio, Penny, about your playing days and and what it was like to compete on the LPGA tour uh, in in your era? Um, well, I'm a two-time LPGA champion, and I had a ranking of top ten player in the world, and I'm also a top fifty teacher today. I've been ranked there twice. Um, what it was like, it was funny, we were all talking, that would have been great to be on the on the show earlier, we were talking about what it is to make lots of money when you're on tour and you're young, and I did, and then I had my lean seasons, I had an up and down career, um, but it was so exciting, and I'm from Australia, so I came over to America, and I remember going down the, the range, and I was looking at all these players, and they had these great big golf bags, and they all looked really suave and sophisticated, and here was this little Aussie girl that didn't know too much about that world, but I could play, and I walked down the line, and I said, I can beat her, 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 and I went all the way down to Hollow Stacey, I said, I'm not going to beat her. <laughs> she had hands <laughs> on a wedge like magic. Like I grew up in Aussie, and Mrs. Fisher was one of our uh, women. We started the first junior golf uh, camps in Australia, and I went to the very, very first one, and Mrs. Fisher, who'd won the Australian Open many times, I'll never forget her. She'd put her hands on a wedge. She had these beautiful red nails, and it just fit like a glove, and she could do things with a wedge that I've never been able to do, and I saw that in Hollis, and I said, she, of course, Hollis went on to win three U.S. Opens and had a tremendous career, and she's just a a great gal, a great friend of mine. So it was it was a great time. I think for me, who um, I think a lot of people can relate to and why I'm in the business of mental athletics today is because I had a very up-and-down career, and I suffered from... Um, panic attacks, migraines, and um, also I had great moments. And I always ask myself, why was I so chaotic? And what was it that I could win and then three weeks later not feel I could win? And that would always peep in the back of my mind. It's a, golf is, when you're young, you know, you, everything is drama. And so you'll try and fix it and you go and find someone to help you and you stop. And the biggest key really is that you just stop being you and, and listening to yourself inside. And, but you don't know that in your 20s and you don't know that in your 30s too well. And then it was when I got away from the tour that I love golf. I'll always love golf. Um, I try and help out as much as I can. And so for me, um, it was about how do I, how did I understand to win? Why did I win? And why was I just terrible? <laughs> and so that's kind of like always been in the back of my mind. So even as I got into teaching, I would always have something about the brain. Even in my junior golf books, I have a little section on brain training. And I wasn't, you know, quite sure about what it all was. But it's been, it's a study, I've been having a study of it for over 20-something years. And so that's it's kind of just an extension of my playing days. And now, as I'm older, I'm able to, and I've done so much study with it, um, now make it into more simple terms and get it out of it being so wooey-wooey. Well, we've we've been joined again by John Bloom. John, welcome back to uh, welcome back to the broadcast. I know you were there briefly for a minute, and then we had to you had to go out and take care of uh, some other things. How are you today? I'm fantastic, Pete. Uh, good to talk to you, and uh, and good to hear from Penny. It's been a while, but uh, I always love uh, 
Well, hey, hearing the way you talk, Penny, but also uh, what you talk about, of course. Uh, and, and I've seen her working, uh, you know, firsthand. Uh, great, great person to have on the program, that's for sure. Well, we're, I've had uh, Penny on the shows in the past, and I've always enjoyed and, uh, and being around her and networking events and so on and so forth. She's always a lot of fun. And we were talking, John, I don't know how much of it you caught when you came out, but we were talking about uh, Penny having developed her mental side uh, of the game type activities and so on and so forth, the Mental Athletic Academy. Uh, and uh, she was explaining uh, how um, how the – Need for a mental approach in in athletics is uh, is very important because you've 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 the pendulum swings right, Penny, and sometimes you just you just can't you just can't figure out why it's in this position when yesterday it was so good. <laughs> and yesterday yeah. you're in the zone, and today you can't find the zone with both hands. Well, I think yeah. Good morning, John. I'm I'm happy to. Listen, hear you as well. I, I listened to uh, are you guys having a conversation, you and Pete, um, a few weeks ago when um, all the, pro, the seniors were in town. It was a great hour show. I, I probably will note on underneath that show. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I was writing at the, at the time and I was laughing a little bit and just enjoying you guys talking. So it was very fun. But um, what to me, uh, the thing that bothered me most, um, I mean, I've had sports psychologists and they're wonderful and I've had all of that stuff. But what wasn't the answer to me was when I was winning or being in that zone, I wasn't doing anything they were telling me to do in the way it was doing. It was like they were... It was like, well, but what was I actually doing? Not the exercises, not don't open it up, and and but I was actually in the moment, and I was in a very different focus attention, and so that was been my journey because it wasn't about me telling you you need self talk and you need this and da 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 and everything else. It was like, no, no, I want to know what, how I was, what exactly what I was doing, and so that's been a real mystery, and it's been a mystery for everybody, and that's why there are so much, so much is written about the zone. But I found a book um, called Open Focus by Dr. Femi in Princeton, New Jersey, and my girlfriend, who's this wonderful psychologist, had given it to me for Christmas because she knows I was on the blink for trying to find it, and I read the first chapter and I just started crying. I said, this is it. I don't know what it is. Because you know when you really know something, but internally you have an instinct for it, but you may not be able to put words to it. Do you guys? But I just knew that this is what I've been looking for. Can you relate to that? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can definitely uh, understand. Sometimes you just have a feeling and you just know, whether it's uh, athletically or, or in other endeavors in life. So I can appreciate the, that you found it. Uh, and, and I think what, what's, you know, interesting for me to, to hear from you now is we've talked in the past about what this can do for players at high levels, you know, and obviously fighting the zone there's only, only such a small percentage of, of uh, players in any sport that will ever find that mythical zone. Uh, but how do you apply these techniques as, as let's say, a beginner golfer or a, a golfer that's just, you know, playing a couple times a year or somebody that wants to play more golf? This, this can still have a very positive effect with their growth in the game, can't it? It can. See, what it is is it's, what we do is we break down when you understand what the four focus styles are and the combinations, and then you have some reminders. It's like you have um, you have to understand what timelessness is. I'll just give you a couple of examples here. What it is that you can put this to anything. So if I have a new golfer, for instance, and I had a lady yesterday and she couldn't pitch, and so I put you know balls at ten, twenty, and thirty. Yes, but the first thing I did is I made her walk 10 yards with me and we left the bag there. And then I told her to turn around. I said, can you imagine the space between me and the ball? And she said, yeah. I said, well, that has to, you have to sense that because you have to be able to put a length of swing to that sense because it's not, it's not exact. So unless you engage more of your senses simultaneously because golf is about combining focus, combining things together and making them all equal so that you can walk into the moment and say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm not, but you're just sensing your address, but you're also sensing all the rest of it that makes up to hit that golf shot. And where golf 
And so whether you're a beginner, and especially as a beginner, they come to me and they're like, you know, some golfers are like, well, I know I have to learn all this stuff. Each little piece is a narrow focus, a narrow focus, a narrow focus. I don't even start like that. I get them into diffusing a couple of things at the same time. Like I'll say, okay, now put your hands on the club, your left hand, your right hand. Now lift it up. Can you feel, can you feel the weight in the club in both hands? Yes, I can. So now I'm already getting them into feeling, and now I can take them back and get into a little more narrow focus and say, well, holding them right up to their face. Now kind of see if you can feel it in the, the fingers and wrap it over there, and they get that, and they look and get it at the same time. So that's just a... I'm already pushing in the idea that simultaneously we are engaging in senses, all our senses, where when nothing is a straight line, you cannot say I'm perfectly lined up. Can anybody say I'm perfectly lined up? I don't think uh, so. I've never been. I've never been able to say it. That's for sure, Penny. And I just want to interject one thing here. I, I really, I really, I mean, I can't even walk straight line, let alone, uh, let alone line yeah. up straight. Uh, but I want to. I just want to mention one thing, and and this is what I can see right now is a difference between the way many people teach and the way you teach. And here again, I, people that are listening have to keep in mind that this is not only golf that we're talking about here. We're going to relate it to golf on this show, I'm sure, but it also has to do with you have many of these same techniques. Techniques, although applied differently, the technique is going to be the same whether you're in golf or business, playing kids playing soccer, whatever the case might be. But way back in the day, when I was in when I was in school, I I gave a demonstration speech and I broke one golf swing down into eighteen separate pieces. And okay. I, when I got and when I got done, I said, "How in the devil am I ever going to remember all of these in making one move to a golf ball?" And it proved in my case that I couldn't do it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd, I'd have been chasing the white ball with some guys that could do it better than me. But, I mean, it's very complex. But if you can simplify it like you seem to be doing, and I'm very interested in hearing you talk more, uh, I think that's an example of uh, maybe the difference between the way many people teach and the way you teach. Well, and what I say in my work is I don't care what you focus on. I care how you focus on it. Okay. I'm about teaching you how to switch your focus styles around. I want you to be a mental athlete, meaning like a juggler. Like you have four t- uh, styles of attention, and then and then. So what we're trying to do is you we, we want to juggle your styles of focus effortlessly. So you're going to learn cues and reminders. So if you're in a narrow focus, like you were talking about, you learned 18 things. How am I going to remember them? Well, that's 18 narrow little pieces of focus. But unless it's blended, put in like and blended together using all of your uh, senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, and tasting. And and the one thing the central nervous system and the brain need understands that's like a pill, which is not a pill, is space. When you say, can you, and imagination. So the two key words that can you imagine, it's like the fuel that fires the desire and the space is the vehicle. So you would say, can you imagine sensing the space between me and the tree? And as soon as you, the brain hears space and imagination, and this is proven through Dr. Femi's ma- magnificent work, and there's all kinds of research on this, but space and imagination immediately opens up the brain, and you, like, because you just go, oh, because as kids we just had imagination space. Once we hit that place, now we can shift gears. So if you're extremely narrow, and I watch this, you know, when I watch Charlie Belgian have having his panic attack of which I've had them and I don't have them anymore today but I'll always I'll always be a person who suffers from panic attacks but I can manage them today what happens is you become when your brain stays in narrow focus and removed focus so what that means is if I'm very tight on a subject my brain gets very tight but if I pretend I'm not uptight and I remove myself from myself Okay, now I'm in deep trouble. And a person who suffers from panic attacks, what happens is, and since I'm the queen of them, is you didn't deny it. I'll be fine. 
I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fine. I was so fine that when I got on a plane coming back from Dallas after this intense week, I I had the, the worst panic attack of my life, and and that was after I'd been doing uh, open focus, and then I realized I'll never be cured, but I needed to understand and get better reminders of finding out when I'm removing myself from such narrow thought. And the whole idea is to to have a mental vacation between goal shots or between decisions in a meeting. You know, I work with uh, people in business, and a perfect place, and this is um, when you're working uh, in a group of people and they're trying to make some decisions, and you'll have one person banging away and getting loud and obnoxious and so if you can remove yourself from that person um, uh, emotionally, then life goes on better. So it, it's just a matter of being able to say, okay, like with Charlie and myself, um, it's admitting way sooner than what happened. You can stop a panic attack from getting to that place if you admit in the beginning. Like he had been under a lot of stress as the year went on, and it just kept building. If you don't take a mental vacation, meaning if you don't, go into a state where everything is equal in your brain and relax it out and feel like you are in a timeless space. That's like taking your little elixir. That's like your mental break. And the brain then can subside, it will open up, and it will relax. And if you don't do that and if you're susceptible to panic attacks, one will come on. And his was a major one. I've had several of those. And... So it's devastating to you, and then you're afraid to do anything in your life. And that's why when I found the book and why I'm such an advocate of uh, mental athletics and Dr. Femi's work, and I'm a, um, a, a trainer of his now, it, it has say, it saved my life, and it also made me understand that we will always go back to 90% of, of the world lives in narrow and removed focus. That's a very uptight and I'm separate from your space. And if you stay there, you have bad tummy, you have all kinds of issues. And so, but once we include space and imagination, getting some space between our thoughts, our thoughts are porous, I'm probably going on too long, guys, I'll shut up right now. Things get better. Penny, Penny, what I'd like to do is I'd I'd like to hear from uh, both John and Kirk. Now, Kirk's yeah. background. Kirk Kirk is a uh, uh, Kirk is an attorney, correct? Yes, yes, I am. Pete. I've okay. practiced for, for a number of years. So, yeah. Okay. And then we all and we all know that John is a is a, a sports announcer and he and he works for uh, major networks with uh, covering golf and other and other events. I'd like to know from either of them if they have had it themselves in a situation where they have had the, well, I, I guess you, maybe not a major panic attack, but a, but a sense of panic, and what they have done, and is what Penny is talking about. Have you used any of those possibly, inadvertently even, uh, to help remove yourself from that stress? Well, I think I think from my standpoint, uh, Pete, I certainly have had instances in my life where I, I, I don't know if panic attack would be the right term, but you find yourself under in, incredible stress and, and because of perhaps in my case where you start focusing very, very narrowly on things and then I can't uh, I, I can't I can't step back from them and I don't you know it might be a case where I don't I, I see more of the trees than the forest and I can see and that and that can apply in business and it, it can apply in golf and one of the things I was going to perhaps ask you about Peggy uh, Penny is how when you're when you're teaching someone golf is such a game where you can focus on the frustration instead of the success. And it, that's always a hard line to to separate. But how do you get people to focus more on the success of what they're accomplishing versus the frustration of what they're not becoming uh, the, the next tour player? Right. That's a, more of a psychologist question. What I always say is, and this is where the delight of my business is, I don't care what you focus on. I care how you focus on it. So if a person is focusing on the success, they're not in the moment. They are removed from themselves, and so now they cannot perform. 
So since uh, what I love about athletics and training and using um, any athletics to train mental athletics is because you have to be present to whatever it is that you're doing at that moment. So I don't even go and I go, oh, that's lovely. Now let, let me ask you, um, where were you in that goal shot? And then I will ask them to name to me, you know, what focus style they're in. So I'm always bringing them back to the technique. And so I don't, then, then therefore they just kind of, ah, okay, let me see. So, that, and, and that's what it's about. Where, what are you focusing on? But not that, how are you focusing on it? What, what focus style are you in? And the goal is when you're in peak performance, you are in a diffused and, and absorbed state. And you're in a timeless state. And you're just cruising because you're flexible, you're in the moment, you're timeless, and so nothing is a rush, and and everything is pretty equal, and you just go through each part. It's like you, you as I kind of think of it, like when I would be coming to a golf shot, I'd be walking into the dream, and I'd just be it. And then, you know when they say, you can sense where the, the flag is or whatever it is, it's just the whole thing. So that's 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 where I'm, I separate myself from... Um, Everybody else, I believe in the technique. John, when you're when you're conducting interviews or talking to uh, uh, golfers or whatever the case may be, do, do you get that same sense as far as you you know where the interview is going to go? You not that you've planned it, but I mean, you do you get a sense because you're in the moment? Do you you get a sense of what's happening? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say I would say guys that that you know from a, a broadcasting standpoint for me. Um, it, it's been something that, you know, I've, I've probably trained for longer than anything, any single other thing I've done in my life, you know, since I was a little kid. So at this stage, and even when I was in college, when I really started doing some, some heavier lifting, uh, in radio and TV work, it was a natural, it, I, I wouldn't get panicked or, or nervous or anything like that. And I've been, I've been really lucky with that, but, but on the flip side of that, uh, golf-wise is where the majority of my panics in life have come, uh, you know, whether it's uh, from temper uh, issues and, and on the golf course to just frustration and, and stress. And uh, I, I think what happened was I was such a competitive uh, young person in sports, and, and I, I had such a desire and drive to, to play sports as good as I could, but I wasn't very talented. Uh, and then finally with golf, something clicked, and, and that's where I had the most success. So because of that, I started putting a lot of pressure on myself to, to be as good as I could be, and, and I could never be good enough. As you know, in golf, there's never perfect. And and uh, and so I, I let it get to my head to a point where I would totally take myself off track mentally, Penny. And, and uh, you and I may have even talked about this at one point along the lines over the, over the years, but um, you know, what clicked in with me, uh, it took a long time, believe me. I mean, I probably wasted about 10 years of my prime time golfing based on uh, having a, a, a horrific temper on the golf course. And, and not only did I ruin, you know, days on the golf course for myself, but I did for my playing partners, my friends and family. And, and I realized that finally. I, I think I just grew up. I think I matured a little bit. And it's not to say that now I don't ever get upset at myself. But I kind of keep it inside, and I, I bottle it up, and I'm still, you know, going through techniques on how to deal with it personally, uh, you know, with the with the temper that that I've always had since uh, since I was a little kid. Uh, but I've made my golfing experience so much better, and, and I think a lot of it, uh, subconsciously, is what you're talking about, Penny. Uh, I think most of it is removing yourself from that bad shot, you know, moving on, taking a break thinking about something else, and, and and I think the biggest thing for me is the overall appreciation of the game, uh, the appreciation of what people did to lay these courses out and build these golf courses we get to play, the appreciation for the time to be able to go play golf uh, as opposed to doing other things that, that the majority of the people on the planet are doing while you're out there on the golf course. All these things, when you start to let your brain uh, not focus on but at least appreciate, I think it just makes the experience uh you know, a much better one, uh, and, and I know it has for me. Uh, and, and, yeah, I still love to play well. I still like to have my birdies when I can and make some good shots. My expectations have dramatically dropped, which I think is one of the keys for my, uh, you know, enjoying golf more. And I think it's all kind of wrapped up into the same capsule. But, uh, you know, there's my long-winded answer for you. <laughs> that was it. Sorry, go ahead, Pete. 
No, no, I, I was I was just going to say that I think I think uh, every one of us has had uh, issues with because uh, we all we have one thing in common. Although we're all in in basically different lines of work, we have one thing in common, and that's why we're on this show today. Is is the golf game, and I think all of us and anybody else that may be listening or listens in the future to the archive is going to be able to determine that. The, the focus aspect and being able to remove yourself, as you say, uh, when you made your statement with regard to, can you imagine that? Can you uh, the statement about the distance of the shot mm-hmm. or the distance mm-hmm. from you to the tree or whatever, and it gives somebody something else to focus on. And I think that's kind of where you're headed. Is that correct? Um. What is no? When you think of the word focus, what I can hear you saying, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you seem to put it in the terms of a narrow focus, like on one thing. If I is that what I'm hearing you guys think? What focus is? I I when I focus on something, I mean I'm I'm if if I'm standing over the golf ball I'm, and I, there's there will be one thing that I think I'm having a problem with in the last okay. several shots and I'll say maybe it's because I'm not taking it back in one piece just okay. as an example and I'll try okay. to focus not taking it back in one piece yes okay. in that well, respect that would yeah. be, okay so that's what kills everybody because a golf shot or a good idea or like John you know you've been in radio forever and when I go and teach a golf lesson I just slip my golfy hat on and I slip into that person and I merge with everything. And you don't realize it, but you diffuse the things you need to diffuse. And then you can zoom over and listen narrowly and then come back out of it. You can go and remove yourself if they wag, wag, wag about bitching about everything they're saying. And then you, But you listen for what it is that they're so that you maybe that's a learning moment in a in a mechanical thing. And you just kind of cruise around in your head all the time. When you hit a golf ball, you are going to do the same thing. If you just come up with, let's we call that uh, pink wagon, the tail, the tail has you wagon, um, right. is you've played this one shot, now, oh, I'm going to do this, okay, I'm going to do it on this shot, oh, now I'll go to the next one, oh, so I'm do it. All you've done is narrow, narrow, narrow focus. You've never relaxed. You've never gone between the shot and then come to the new shot as a fresh shot. And, and the process... And any time, like if I'm listening in a meeting or if I'm going, getting ready for golf shot and it's my turn to talk, I'm going to listen, I'm going to diffuse, I'm going to absorb, I'm going to remove, I'm going to do all those different focus styles. And when it's my turn to talk, I will have gathered that information together and then I will have relaxed it and made it into like a little story idea or a theme or something and then I'm going to speak it. But if I just stayed on that in one narrow thought in that meeting, I would have lost the nuance and the understanding. So same in the golf shot. Every time I come up to a golf shot, I've got to look at the lie. I'm going to get very narrow and look at it. And then I'm going to look, is there a tree in my way or whatever? And I'm going to be very narrow, 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 gathering pieces of information. And then I relax and diffuse all that information, making it all equal. Because if I left the tree and I said, wow, that tree, and I put all that emphasis to that tree, then all my whole golf swing is going to be about the tree. And maybe I'm missing the wind or something like that. And so I diffuse it all and make it equal. Then I take a breath, a little space, because now I've got to switch. Now I've got to internalize it, get a club in my hand, and figure out what shot I can I want to play. And then I have to internalize it even deeper and say, Am I do I have that ability at this moment to hit that shot? And therein lies, you know, uh, where people's ego get in the way and they remove themselves. Well, I know the shot, I'm going to hit it anyway. So what they've done, that is a removed focus. And I and you're telling yourself, and when you yell at yourself, you remove from yourself because you don't want to feel the pain. And then when you dub it, you go, so, so stupid. Well, the stupid was you didn't recognize you were human. And at this moment, you were freaking out or whatever and you weren't ready for that shot. But if you just said, oh, yeah, that's how I feel. And remember, I don't care what you focus on. It's how you focus on it. And you, then you go in and you just kind of try and find, but I could hit this shot. And you take that club out and scoot it around and skinny it up there and you go, beautiful. And that particular shot could make you be able to be humble enough to recognize this is as much game as I have today. So then you can still go and whack it around like Jamie Blaylock used to do and win the Dan Delft tournament. Yeah. And yeah. because she had humility to, at this moment, I was present to myself 
and that is a what I just described there is a I mean you practice this stuff every day it's just like you have these are the fundamentals of mental mental athletics all I teach you are the fundamentals in which to switch your focus around so that you can be pliable mentally pliable Penny, I remember remember, uh, speaking with you uh, about my golf game just in in a very short conversation we had at a networking meeting, and I said that I have finally gotten myself to to a point uh, in playing golf where if I walk on the golf course and after hitting a small bucket or whatever, I find out that I just can't get rid of my fade today, I go on the golf course and I play my fade, and I just – live with the fade that day and I go if I want to change it I change it later don't worry about it I'm going out to have hopefully going out to have a good time and just play the fade and I and I want to and I think that's what you're talking about here but I want to get into that more with John and Kirk also as far as how they approach things uh, on a particular day and maybe you can comment on them Penny but I want to play these commercials and we'll do this it'll take about two and a half minutes and we'll be right back Boomer the Babe are the publishers of Boomer Series Books. Our authors have their own shows on the Boomer the Babe Network. We encourage you to listen. Ron Naraki, author of the forthcoming book, The Ten Commandments of Investing, is the host of Wealth DNA, a financial show about real estate investment. Learn how to build and manage your portfolio. Ron hosts the show, and he always has good information to pass along, as do his guests. Listen to Wealth DNA on the second and fourth Monday of the month at 8 a.m. Arizona time. Tom Liggering's another Boomer Series author. His book, Success or Failure, The Choice is Yours, is the basis of the show he does with his broadcast partner, Dr. Terry Munther. Listen to Success or Failure with Tom and Terry on the fourth Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Learn how you can maximize your performance in business and in life. The methods you employ can either help or hinder. The choice is yours. Before you book your next round of golf in Arizona, go see what golfers just like you are saying about the courses you want to play at golfmix.com. While you're there, write a review of the last course you played and get $10 off your next purchase at Vans Golf Shops and enter into our Greenskeeper of the Year contest for a chance to win a foursome at the home of the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the stadium course at TPC Scottsdale. So check out Golf Mix, Arizona's leading golf course review site and mobile app. What are you waiting for? At golfmix.com. The Boomer and the Babe are proud to be affiliated with Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. Valley View is now serving Phoenix from their new 36,000-square-foot location at West Peoria and 107th Avenue in Sun City, Arizona. The new location houses the food bank, Feeding Arizona, and the Valley View Thrift Store. Feeding Arizona delivers food to other food banks and food pantries that are in need. If you're looking for a 501c3 to support, go to valleyviewcommunityfoodbank.com. All donations are welcome, be it food, money, or volunteer hours. No donation is too small. Get a hold of Jesse Ramirez, founder and director, and say, I want to help. Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. And we are back. It is Thursday, November 29th, 2012. This is Straight Down the Middle, and we have a guest today, Penny Pulse, talking about mental focus and uh, the mental side of athletics and business, uh, along with Kirk Kiffinger and Mr. John Bloom of Radio Talk Sports fame. So uh, I posed the question before we went to break uh, with regard to playing it, playing the game of golf or the game of business or meetings or whatever it is with whatever it is you have that day uh, and and focusing on what you can do within the confines of, of, of what your game is. If I'm hitting the ball as a fade or a slice in my particular case, if I play my slice and just live with it and make the best of it and skin it around and beat it down the fairway, always moving forward, getting closer to the hole. And if that's my game that day, that's the way it is. Uh, and I'm wondering, John, uh, yourself, and Kirk, uh, what uh, do, do you do that type of thing? And then I'd be interested in hearing what Penny has to say about uh, what it is that we're doing, if that's anything in regard to what she's talking about. 
Well, Pete, I know certainly for myself, first of all, on the on the golf course, I know I've got my, my strengths and weaknesses out there. And if I don't realize what my limitations are in terms of how well I play the game, and I think this can apply to, to, to most players, the frustration level sets in real quickly. And so for for me, golf is a lot of it, a lot of it is an exercise of yeah. I would like to be out there and go out and think I can shoot 71 every weekend, but I, I know I can't. So a lot of it is setting my expectations in advance. If I'm playing competitively, if I haven't played a lot recently, I'm not going to expect that I go out and uh, win win my flight in the club championship or something something like that. And it and it carries over to business as well, like we were talking about. Look, I spent. I spent many. I spent years as a as a CPA, and then I spent years as an attorney, and I've, I've retired from from those pursuits. But a lot of what I had to do in those capacities is understanding what I'm what I'm good at and where my weaknesses are, and learning how to pick up the phone when I need some help in situations where I might recognize something that needs to be taken care of, but I need some help from someone who's got more expertise in in an area than I do. Uh, one of the things I've seen people try to do in too many situations is try to try to do it all themselves and try to do everything, and it's just it, it, it's just not. We're human beings. We're all built with strengths and weaknesses, and it's about identifying what those are, utilizing your strengths, and looking for help when you're in a situation that might be one of your uh, weaker suits. I would agree with Kirk. Uh, you know, I think uh, for me, I was probably a lot more. Uh, Stubborn, let's say, uh, when I first started having some success in golf, uh, although I had some great, uh, you know, uh, instructors that were helping me learn the game, I uh, I was really kind of a self-taught field player from, from the get-go. And so when I felt like I found what, what was best for me, it was hard for me to adjust that, uh, if you're talking about, you know, uh, before a round. During the round, uh, always has been, uh, a challenge to, and I'm sure it is for most golfers, uh, to try to correct something in the middle of a round. I know it was for me, uh, and it, it always seemed a lot easier for me to help someone else correct uh, something small with their swing than it was for me to do it to myself, and, and that still remains to be uh, the case for me. So uh, now I think if I had uh, a similar experience to what you were describing, Pete, about you know fading the ball off the tee on the range, yeah, I would probably go into it with uh, the idea that that might continue and and, uh, and trying to, to incorporate that in my pre-shot routine. But, uh, you know, nowadays it's such a different animal, uh, talking about golf, where I'm not as competitive and I'm not really, uh, you know, I, I would even say I'm not really even as focused overall going into a round of golf, uh, that, that my focus more, more lies on enjoying myself and having a good time and, and enjoying the company and the surroundings. Uh, than it is on the success on the course, which is such a weird thing to, to say now over and over. And I know I've said it several times this morning, but that's just where I'm at. I think that's where I can uh, really appreciate and enjoy the game most. All right, Dr. Poles. <laughs> okay. Um, what, where, and, and we're all great when we're not under pressure. And that's what you guys, you're very blessed, Kirk, to be retired. You're my hero. And John, um, and the golf is you're able to put it in another space. But the work I really work in is peak performance. And um, so even though you put golf as less um, of a importance to you as far as peak performance is concerned, I'll tell you, though, if you got up there and they said, I'm going to put a 1000 bucks on you, get yourself ready in a week, John, and I'm going to be up there, I'll tell you all that stuff will come right back as it does to me. That's why I don't compete a lot because I'm a comp competitive little animal and it all comes up and I have to do all that work again to get it to be organized. My mind must get organized for peak performance. That's why I love competition. I used to say, you know, they said, people go, oh, competition scares me. I said, why? Competition is the, this is the bomb because it says it's going to show you what you know and what you don't know. And because you love to BS yourself because you can puff up, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I can pick this, I can do all that stuff, because you want it. And you, and therefore you think wanting, and so you put the desire in wanting, which is narrow focus, and so you remove yourself from yourself. But in actual fact, peak performance, and, and I did an animation, um, I'm, I'm working with HighSchoolSportsCenter.com, and I'm doing it for high school sports, any sports and academics. And the whole point is 
if you want to, if you're going to strive for something, okay, then for me, what I found, and the, and that was why I, I thought Open Focus was so delicious, and I just love it. It's it, it's a sense of, okay, I want to win, and as Mr. Merrin said to me, okay, you want to win, so put it over there. Now you got to now you now what do you want to do? Well, I got to play, you know, four days. He says, okay, now what are you going to do? And I got down to well, I've got my first shot. He said, right, so be here. And we've all heard that, be in the moment, be in the moment. But if you don't train and organize your brain, you can't just slip into that. And that was the thing that hacked me off the most. Is like when I could get into that state of peak performance, basically why I was extremely organized and I could flip through these sorts of stuff. I didn't know I was doing it, but as I was reading the book, and that's why, John, I couldn't explain, I didn't understand it in words, but I knew I'd been in that in that position. I knew that's how I was. And I do know why I had my migraines and panic attacks after I left the tour. I had some a little bit toward the end of my career because I was putting, like you were saying, I was expecting myself to do these things. By God, I've been out there 17 years. You don't be so stupid. I remember when I played the worst shot in the world. It was the worst mental mistake, and I just about lost it. And so that's what drove me to understand if I can be trained and organized in a golf swing, why can't my little simple stuff that we all know how to do, diffuse, narrow, absorb and remove, why can't that get organized for me so that I can have little reminders to remind myself when I'm going out of my tree and things from my past that were my, ooh, that's how I'm feeling right now, I need to get out of that style of focus and go into something else because at the end of the day, in order to hit a great shot, I have to be diffused and absorbed in the moment. And that's a process to get there on demand. And so my whole thing is I don't care if you really want to go after something, you're my customer. Because or if something or if you're having migraines and you're basically just stuck in that or panic attacks, you're stuck in fear. Anyone who has a stuck brain, I say, um, why train mental athletics to release your stuck brain? Then you're my customer. Because I want to show you a fun way to be able to shift styles of attention around in a very organized manner. So it's it's not psychological. It's like, okay, you're just a little uh, narrow on this, to, you know, and, and we just have these exercises to do it. So that's what I'm saying here. It's It's why don't we train mental athletics like we train all sports, repetition, practice, do listen to your audio. I do an MP3 for if, if it's a certain client or you can listen to Dr. Femi's tapes on how to switch your focus styles around, and that's it. Well, Penny, uh, I tell you, we, this has been absolutely phenomenal talking to you again, and uh, I always appreciate it. Uh, and I, I want you to be able to uh, do your shameless self-promotion right now uh, <laughs> and, and let people know how they can get hold of you if they're interested in uh, in what it is that you teach and the mental side of uh, athletics and uh, academic business. So uh, now is your time to uh, do that shameless self-promotion. Well, I'm very, I'm, I'm really proud of my work, uh, Pete, and I'm very excited about it um, because I have been, I'm a person who's had um, great relief from this work, and it's so simple. Everyone has done this; they just haven't had it organized. So you can just go to pennypools.com. You can watch the little animation, which was fun to make. I'd never made one before, so it was always fun to do. Talking about getting into a, a state of peak performance and relaxing—that's what I did for that one. It took me like a month. It was quite fun to do. So pennypools.com, watch the animation. There's a contact form you can fill out there, and I'd be glad to get back to you and talk to you. And and this, my world is for anyone that is stuck in a pattern. Call me. I'd love to work with you, love to talk to you, and uh, we do every, most most things are online, um, so it's really easy and convenient to whatever um, your time time scheduling is. Well, Penny, thank you very much. I certainly do appreciate you taking the time today to come and, uh, and visit with us, and uh, it, it, it's always fun, always a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll do it again sometime. Well, thank you, Pete. I appreciate so much for giving me the opportunity to share my love. And uh, John and Kirk, it was lovely to spend some time with you guys. I, I talked way long time over you guys, but I, I'll be listening to you more again, and thanks so much. Penny, thank thanks, you. Buddy. That is fascinating to hear from you. Thank you very much. Okay. 
Thanks again, Penn. Take care now. Say, say and, 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 and say hi to, to your lovely friend there, your partner, Mrs. Mrs. Schwartz. I can't remember her name. I June. Can't remember. June. <laughs> say hi to June. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, guys, that was Penny Pulls. I mean, she certainly does know her stuff with regard to uh, activities on, uh, uh, on the basis of, of the mental approach. I think she's uh, maybe onto something. What do you think? Well, I, I, you know, the old adage, Pete, about the, you know, the most important part of the body in golf is the space between the left ear and the right ear, and uh, I would – I would echo that. To get yourself playing well mentally, everything has to be working in the right direction. And if uh, if you can get yourself more confident and in a better place to play this game between the years, it's going to show up in terms of how you swing the club. I think so, too. John, what are your thoughts? Oh, I, I couldn't have said it better. And, uh, you know, every time I, I get a chance to – Talk to Penny about the the mental aspects of not only golf, but just uh, you know some of the theories that she teaches. I feel like my brain goes to a better place. Absolutely. Uh, you were a little late getting in, and uh, we got to Penny right away, pretty much from the start. Uh, Kirk was talking about some of the things that are going on uh, with golf mix now, towards uh, wrapping up uh, the year. Um, uh, is there anything? Uh, uh, it's hard for me to say to you exactly what. Uh, t- tell me something that did, that Kirk didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think the key, and I'm sure he hit on it, was uh, you know it's, we're we're hitting December almost, and that's just mind-boggling to me. But uh, you know, here we are, almost at the end of 2012. So what we're gearing up for is uh, our rankings, which will come out after the end of the year. Uh, and so uh, anybody listening right now, you have uh, a way to impact those uh, rankings because it all comes down to your uh, reviews of golf courses in Arizona. So if you're listening, take a few minutes, go out there, write a couple of reviews of some of the courses you love, maybe some that you were disappointed by too, uh, and then you'll be uh, you know, having input in, in uh, when we release the, the best 18 in each of the six categories that we have uh, that we have you rate on golfmix.com. So uh, I would say that's uh, one thing. And then obviously every time you write a review, you get rewarded too. I want to let everybody know you're still getting uh, $10 off of Vans, gift, uh, Vans uh, Golf Shops, and that's obviously great to be able to go buy some stocking stuffers. As we all know, we've got coming up uh, some, some holiday buying uh, uh, episodes that will be taking place over the course of the next few weeks, I think, for most of us. Uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully Golf Mix can help you with that. And we also have plans in the making of uh, what's going to be a really exciting event. Uh, I can't give you all the details yet, but it's going to be taking place at TPC Scottsdale uh, the week before the Phoenix Open. Uh, we're just getting ready to finalize it, uh, and uh, it's going to be an event where uh, people who are playing the course that day will, will be able to experience it in person. But even if you can't make it to TPC, we're going to let you have a chance to uh, be a part of the event uh, by taking part in, a, in an exciting online contest. So that's coming up, and I'm sure I'll be able to have the details for you for that either next week or the following week. And uh, you know, just uh, like I said, I can't believe that we're almost to 2013. Uh, we got a lot of fun things in, in the hopper that we're looking to, uh, you know, expand with Golf Mix, and, and uh, it's great to be able to, to share them with you, Pete, and, and here on Straight Down the Middle, and certainly – uh, on our Facebook page, if, if folks listening haven't liked us there, go to golfmix or facebook.com backslash golfmix, and we also keep everybody updated on Twitter, uh, which is just following us at golfmix uh, on Twitter. And uh, and then the, the last thing I'd say is uh, I'll give you a little insight into what I'm about to do. I, I got asked to sit on the kitchen cabinet for the Sandra Day O'Connor uh, house here in Phoenix. And, uh, and I'm about to go into this house in Paradise Valley filled with a bunch of smarter people than me who care a whole lot more about politics than me. But I think I might be able to bring a unique uh, a unique outlook on things, and maybe that's why they asked me to, to do this. So uh, that's where I'm headed off right now. But I hope you guys have a fantastic week and, uh, and look forward to doing this again next week. Sounds great, John. I appreciate it. And see what you can do between now and then about uh, straightening up those cardinals, would you? No, I have no control over that, Pete. I wish I did. Uh, you know, seven losses in a row, and now, you know, they're going to go play a Jets team that, that might be a bigger mess than them. So, uh, you know, maybe they will get a win this week. Well, I tell you, uh, if anybody can straighten them up, I'm, I'm sure it's you. <laughs> All right, well, enjoy your travels. and Travel safe, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you again next week. Talk to you later, Chad. All right, see you guys. All right, Kirk, what do you got cooking? Anything uh, anything you want to let us know about? 
Well, I think, Pete, the one uh, piece of news that kind of blasted across the golfing world yesterday was the rule on anchoring the putter, uh, or the disallowance of that in a few years, and that might be a topic that maybe we, we open up for maybe on one of our upcoming shows. Uh, obviously, it's going to generate a lot of buzz throughout the golf world, and uh, be something interesting. I would encourage all the listeners to kind of eh, kick it around with your your friends at the golf course this weekend and see see what you you know see see what everybody thinks because now instead of being on the back burner, it just went to the front burner yesterday. That's for sure. Define the ruling a little bit. Give us a little more information on what the ruling actually says. Uh, yeah, what what the USGA and the RNA said yesterday was that they are going to, in the rules of golf, anchoring the putter, either anchoring a belly putter in your belly or anchoring the putter against your sternum with the uh, longer broomstick style putter, will not be allowed beginning in 2016. And that is, that is their proposed rule. They're open for comment at this point. Uh, that obviously may or may not change. But that is the that's the ruling they came down with, and so you won't see if if that holds as it is. Come 2016, you won't see pros on TV using the anchored belly putter or long putter anymore. Well, who is the person on tour? And maybe this is a bit of an unfair question because I don't know it myself. I don't have this in as an attorney. You know, never ask a question unless you've got the answer. Uh, but uh, I don't know who it is. But isn't there somebody that is is down the shaft on the putter and holding the the grip portion against their own forearm, uh, their their right forearm? Wasn't there somebody doing that for a while? Actually, uh, I don't. I believe Johnny Miller did that for a while. Oh, okay. uh, I believe, in fact, the last time that he won, uh, he won Pebble Beach. I believe he he did that. And interestingly enough, that grip style under this new rule, as I understand it, would be okay if you ah. just kind of press the grip up against your your left forearm, let's say, but you don't anchor the grip into your stomach or into your your sternum. Uh, that that's okay, uh, but. Uh, using the traditional belly putter as we've seen it on television for many uh, for many years now, uh, that is that is against the new rule. So uh, it's going to be something that is going to is already creating a lot of a lot of buzz pro and can among the professionals, and they're going to have a a lot of a lot of discussion on the topic between now and when the rule ultimately goes into force. Well, it's, I find it interesting. Um, I, I've never, I have tried the belly putter or up, uh, up against my sternum, and uh, it's just too long for me. In other words, uh, I try to take it back, and I can't, I can't take it back. It, it waggles and it swoops all over the place, uh, back and through. So, I just go down to uh, my regular standard size putter, and uh, I figure, what the heck? That's the way it was designed. That's the way I'll play it. I mean, I. I'm the same way, Pete. I, I've tried both. I've tried the belly putter. I've tried the long putter against, against your sternum. I, I can't do it. It just does. It doesn't work for me. Uh, obviously, some players have tried it with with some success, or at least at least perceived success, perhaps. Uh, I, I'm the same way. I feel like I, I feel like golf was meant to be played with the putter just hanging hanging loose there. It's the simplest motion in the game, <laughs> at least in theory. Move the club back six six inches or a foot and take it through that far, uh, and just just do it that way. Yeah, and I I can't even play left hand low. I mean I. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just it's just too much for me. Talk about focus. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I went through them all, Pete. I, I went through them all, and I finally I finally settled on the claw grip about ten years ago. And it's been uh, a lifesaver in terms of my putting, but all the other ones just didn't work for me. Yeah, I've got two putters in my bag. I've had, and I've had, for one, uh, I I came to I came to Phoenix thirty some odd years ago. I I bought a uh, I bought an answer putter over there at uh, at Karsten, and I still have that putter in my bag. And now I have a. Uh, a, a, a different. A two, I've got a two ball in there also, and I will go either depending on whether I'm feeling more uh, upright in my putting or if I'm a little hunched, a little more hunched over. Uh, I will play with one putter or the other, but uh, that's those are the only only things I'm making. This both hands on the grip, take it back, let it go, uh, and and that's as as basic and simple as I get. Well, Kirk, I want to thank you for being on the show again with me today. It's been always, as always, been great fun. Uh, I'm going to play our out music, and uh, we're going to be out of here for uh, 
for this week, Straight Down the Middle. And we'll be back again next week and hopefully with some more good guests. Pete, always a pleasure. Look forward to next week. Thank you. Take care, sir. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. You've been listening to Straight Down the Middle on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started.